Welcome to Vet Talk. Uh, so today I have with me Dr. Alex Fox Alvarez, and he is a veterinary surgeon uh, who works with me. And we wanted to discuss a little bit about uh, where our specialties sort of overlap, and yeah. that is essentially in the in the post-operative period. So after he's uh, cut a case and we're monitoring it uh, together usually over the, the next few days and when things aren't going the way we want. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a challenge we, we face, I think. Uh, I mean, thankfully, I don't think too often, no, but we definitely no. have, whenever we face this challenge, it's always a, a bit of a struggle and a, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, a, and a conversation for sure. I mean, I, yeah. I definitely value, I think, the fact that we both have different perspectives because of our specialty. Yes. But, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, sometimes it can make for for some fun case management yeah. after, for sure. So, like, the two big complications that I think we run into um, in the immediate post-operative post period would be hemorrhage. Is, is the yeah. patient's bleeding, and we're trying to figure out, is this a surgical bleed or is this a medical bleed, is sure. sort of how I think about it. And then a couple days later, it would be sepsis. Like, have we developed an infection, usually in GI surgery? Yeah, early yeah. I mean, that's our big fear. You know, we right. always talk about that critical three- to five-day period, and... Um, where, we're, where we're really keeping an eye on them. And mm -hmm. honestly, more and more, it seems like we're sending them out the door sooner, you know, as long as they have appropriate at-care home, I guess. But right. but that's the, that's when we're scared. That's when we're waking up in the middle of the night thinking, oh, you know, like, yeah. oh, man, did I, you yeah, know, Yeah, and three I to five days right? is usually exactly when you're sending them home, yeah, actually. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, honestly, it can be even longer. I mean, we had, sure. we've had cases recently that as far as two weeks out, you Ooh. know, and we were trying to figure out what the heck... Um, with that one, you know, histopath was clean. We thought maybe it was because of neoplasia, but it turns out it was, uh, the dog had Cushing. So it probably uh, was just a very delayed yeah. healing situation and um, it ran into problems. That's gotta feel better though. At least there was a reason, right? Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> well, we didn't know actually. We found, uh, two months later, um, you know, medicine After found me. After kicking said, yourselves hey, for a while. That dog had Cushing's and I was like, oh Thank man, goodness. that makes so much more <laughs> sense now. You know, he's got yeah. all the steroids. Yeah. So yeah, th I think those can be challenging. I think one of the biggest problems is, um, with septic belly is is being able to, you know, objectively say yeah. that this dog has septic belly post-operative. Yeah. You know, we, we especially if we cut into GI, which are the cases that are most common. So, you know, of course we lavage the abdomen, but but is there bacteria still in the abdomen? Sure. Are there yeah. still going to be neutrophils that chow down on those bacteria? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably unlikely that we catch those few bacteria on cytology, right. but it's possible. Yep. That and is so, always a you know, what can we rely on really? So one thing um, I actually always found interesting, so when I was at um, NC State for my residency, one thing that a lot of the surgeons there did um, was they liked to put um, drains in yeah. a lot of their bellies, kind of regardless, even the ones that went well, not necessarily all of the ones, yeah. not the super straightforward ones, like a simple enterotomy, they probably wouldn't, but if they did an RNA or um, something a little bit more complicated than that, a lot of them came out with JP drains. Yeah. And we would use that to collect samples once a day, sometimes more often, but usually once a day, and just look at a cytology ourselves. Yeah. And um, and sometimes just watching what the neutrophils would do over time. You totally. know, not even looking for bacteria per se, but like, do they look healthier and healthier as you go along? Obviously, if you find one intracellular bacteria in the first day or two, you're like, yeah. cool, good job, neutrophil. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to be doing. But um, is it changing? And so that's what I actually felt 
was really helpful from a cytology standpoint because, like as you're saying, like you should have some bacteria in there afterwards because you're not really getting all of it. Are you always going to see that on cytology? Probably not. Yeah. But when I could watch what the cells were doing from day to day to day, in addition with like how much fluid is being produced and, sure. and so on. So I actually always really liked that. Um, you know, there's downsides to putting greens in yeah. every patient, the increased cost, you know, potential increased morbidity. Um, but it, it did give us a really nice window into um, what was happening in the belly. Yeah. One, one additional way of looking at things. And uh, we tend not, that's not a thing that um, we do commonly here now, but... Yeah, um, the, the literature's a little split. I mean, yeah. it's funny, you read the papers and the people who are pro-drained say, see, this is yeah. good for drains. And the people <laughs> the who are like, paper. eh, not drained, same paper will say, <laughs> yeah. see, like, uh, there's really no, exactly. no real difference. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, NC State is actually, they're the ones who did the study looking at um, uh, blood to peritoneal fluid lactate and glucose yeah. um, in normal dogs. So yeah. they took like 10 healthy beagles, um, opened them, didn't explore, didn't do anything to them, left the drains in, and then we wanted to see like, yeah. you know, other than cytology, can we rely on that glucose differential that we yep. do in, 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 in native dogs that aren't cut? Or um, can we rely on the lactate differential to try and see and um, man, I would have loved for them to have found something that we yeah. can do. But even in these dogs that had no yep. no sepsis at all, I mean, uh, they said, I got the paper here, but, you know, after day four, the blood to peritoneal glucose concentration differences were consistent with septic effusion. Yep. Um, and then blood to peritoneal lactate concentrations, they were kind of a little bit more all over the place. But after day four, greater than 70% of the dogs had consistent with septic peritonitis. And so they what they concluded is that there's no reliable indicator after surgery, which yeah. is really terrible, you know, yeah. especially in these dogs, you know, these are dogs that didn't have any surgery. So, um, you know, you wonder what sort of variability there's going to be in dogs that maybe right. had a preexisting septic peritonitis that right. the cells are struggling already and then you mm -hmm. fix it. Okay. But then, you know, what's, <laughs> what's that abdominal juice going to do over the next, mm -hmm. you know, over the next while. So it makes it, I think a very incredibly challenge, like diagnostic yep. challenge. Like it, yeah, it is because, challenge. Uh, it also makes you wonder how much should we be relying on that in the, the first time, like even if they haven't been cut before. Oh, yeah. Um, because yeah. how many, you know, we end, how, these cases where you go and you're like, I, I don't know where the source of sepsis is. Yeah. Like I've had that happen before. Oh, not, yeah. not that often, yeah. but I have sent cases to surgery and then the surgeon came back and was like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I sucks. mean, we've had those too with like migrating foreign bodies yeah. or, yeah. or I mean, honestly, the momentum's incredible. So sometimes we'll get in there you know, and a dog that maybe did, it was septic and it was perfed and it's dealing with it or it's perfed, uh, you know, or had maybe a hepatic abscess or pancreatic right. abscess that ruptured and resolved. Um, sometimes that's, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome when we get in there and see the body doing its own natural thing. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, I, don't, I think it's definitely better to play it safe because we know that waiting is going to increase the yeah. risk of mor mortality. The but problem with playing it, if playing it safe is, go back in if you're not sure. Yeah. The problem with that is that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of additional morbidity. Not everybody can do it. And that's, I think, the other interesting thing that we've come across cases um, that never even make it to you, right? So a case that I would like to send to surgery, but for whatever reason, it's not an option. The owners don't have the finances oh, yeah. or, or you know, so on and so forth. They, they're not going to do it. And we say, okay, well, the animal is not in such bad shape right now that I have to euthanize it. So let's just try managing it medically and hope for the best. Yeah. And it's remarkable how often those animals will recover. Yeah. So for me, I guess it's less about what does the lactate glucose differential say, things like that. Because, you know, in that study of the beagles, like, those are not dogs that you would have 
expected sepsis in, yeah. right? Like, so you're getting fluid samples and you're measuring lactate and glucose in, in the blood and the belly and um, and you're trying to interpret it. But like, that's not an animal that you would have done that in, yeah. if that makes sense. And, um, but it's a really important study to do because if you're suspicious of it in a patient, like you're worried this patient's not doing well and you do that and you go, ha, see, yeah. there, I need to go back in. Well, maybe we can't rely on that. And I think like, it's such a dogmatic thing. I mean, every, I think, I feel like most people know about the glucose differential yeah. of 20 and the lactate yeah. of two. And so it's, it's very easy if you don't know these other studies to mm-hmm. say, oh yeah, well we can, we can, of course we can apply this in any setting, not just mm-hmm. a, a septic belly who came in who hasn't had surgery. And I don't know about for surgery boards, but for ECC boards, you definitely have to know yeah. that for the exam. Oh, like, yeah. We're going to ask you that. And I mean, we might also ask you about the additional studies that say, hey. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was an incredible tool, you know, yeah. it was an incredible yeah. tool for them to yeah. be able to, to, for you to kind of have a hard line and say, okay, this is a hundred percent specific. Yeah. It might not be the most sensitive, but it's a hundred percent specific. Not anymore. <laughs> I know, I know. There's um, although, again, I don't know. We haven't done a corollary. There's, uh, To my knowledge, there's no corollary study on dogs that have not had surgery. So is there something that just going oh, into sure. the belly and doing surgery is stirring up some inflammation, which makes yeah, sense, I'm right? Yeah, sure like it is. Some there's, of that would happen. There's got to be some, uh, you know, some anaerobic metabolism going on after yeah. damaging tissues So I wouldn't completely throw out that, like, if you have an animal who's not, who's not, Nobody's been in the belly recently. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't throw that out completely because I do think there's probably something to that. But it oh, makes sure. me think, like, what about, like, the bad pancreatitis animals oh, yeah. that have a, hu- a terrible peritonitis that aren't necessarily septic? Because that's another group that totally. pre-op, you know, like, before they ever see surgery, we struggle with, like, should we go to surgery? Yeah, on one? yeah. Um, but definitely when they've been to surgery, um, it is really, really tough. Um, and it's a really hard thing to call a client and say, I think we need to go back in and, yeah. and do that again. So I, we're obviously going to be fairly reluctant. Yeah. And um, it's really, I mean, you know, if you look at the human side of things, it, we can't compare because they, they do multiple surgeries in these cases. Like that's what yeah. they plan to do. They do mm-hmm. planned, yeah. re, you know, they'll go in and we'll just do a little bit today. Yep, we'll they'll go in and in fix days. the GI stuff and say, you know what, this isn't yeah. looking great. I'm yeah, not sure about this tissue here. We want to schedule another surgery mm-hmm. in three days and look. We, we really just financially don't have the, you know, the, the latitude to do that, unfortunately. Yeah. And they do it, I mean, they do it a lot. So, and I imagine it'd be, it'd be, it would be really helpful, but, uh, you know, in a lot of these cases, because they aren't people and, and, and I think owners aren't as kind of, you know, they can't predict, uh, I guess, figure out that the dog's sick very quick, you know? Right. And so they come to us and they're so sick. If we do multiple anesthesias, that's, that's probably also going to be a negative prognostic yeah. indicator. So yeah. it makes it, I think, much more difficult on the veterinary side as, as to compare things in people. I would love to be able to, to stage surgeries and say, all right, well, yeah. we're going to go back in and take another look, and I don't have to worry about, you know, anything yeah. financially because of, because of the way that insurance is working. But, um, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah, we just, we just don't have that. No. Um, so what, like, what are the things then that would trigger you to say, I think I need to go back in the belly? Yeah, I like the idea of doing cytology. I mean, I, I don't place drains, but I'll, you know, if there's fluid in there, I'll take a look. And sure. for me, I mean, yeah, intracellular bacteria is a big one. And also just particulate matter. If, if I see like something well, grass yeah, looking yeah. or any sort of fibers, then I start really kind of panicking sure. that GI is leaking. Because I feel like those are things we mostly get out of the abdomen when we lavage. And so if I'm, if I'm seeing a lot of debris, then, then it's kind of concerning. But mostly, I, I honestly try not to get too hung up in numbers and, and things because I think if the dog's getting better or the same every day, at least, then I'm happy. I mean, I, early I watch temperature very, very closely, but I think uh, in the inflammatory phase of healing, it's very mm-hmm. common for it to go up, which yeah. unfortunately, you know, the first two to three days when you're most scared about it leaking, it's also inflammatory. But I just keep an eye on the trends of, mm-hmm. of, of temperature and then how the dog's doing. I mean, 
eating is a huge sign of health for me. Yeah. And then, um, you know, their willingness to get up, up and move around, I, I'm kind of looking at very closely. And then I'll look at the numbers. I mean, yeah. if, if the dog looks awesome and the numbers are, are crummy, then I don't, I don't care. really care. <laughs> yeah, the numbers, if the dog looks dumpy and then I check the numbers and they're also not looking great. Yeah. That's when I want to do, you know, maybe I'll do an ultrasound or yeah. maybe I'll, you know, start calling the owner to kind of prep them yeah. that this may be something that we need to do. So two things I'm going to say to that. So one, I guess for me, even more than how is the dog looking, like it is how the dog is looking, but like the dog that gets better for the first couple of days and then declines, like that's the one that's in approaching or in that three to five day window that I'm like, okay, that like that the timing fits, like the clinical signs yeah. fit. It was improving, which is what I expected. Sure. And then something changes. Now that could also be pancreatitis or other yeah. things, so it's not perfect. But so that's usually for me. I, I agree. The but it more makes you look. Yeah. Yeah. Look closer. How have you found in that immediate, you know, in the first few days after surgery? How helpful have you found ultrasound to be in helping you make those decisions? Um. I think that I just use it again as like one piece to the puzzle. I think sometimes it can be challenging because there's free air in the abdomen mm -hmm. for them to get things um, to look very well. Plus, I mean, as soon as as soon as we close the abdomen, the omentum is angry mm -hmm. and right on our surgical site. So um, I've seen cases where ultras the ultrasonographer is more, is very concerned, and then we go in and it just you yeah. know it's like the omentum's doing its job, everything looks okay. Dang it. So can, yeah, it can make it very I think difficult. But <laughs> this I, is great news. But why did we yeah. go back in? <laughs> the big thing I think I feel like makes me concerned is when they see a pocket of fluid around it and they're able to sample that mm -hmm. and it looks bad because. Yeah. Again, the omentum does its job. I've seen some crazy cases where they've mm -hmm. walled off GI spills and things, but um, but I just feel like that probably to me is an indication that it's leaking into that omental seal, which it very well may heal. I mean, if that's what's Boy, there but if for. if that animal ever has to go back to surgery, what a mess. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's dealing a disastrous. With, with adhesions adhesion and city, yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, that makes sense. That's I kind of what yeah. I look for. Not, not really too much else. The fat is angry. Yeah. A lot of times the pancreas is angry. Yeah. I mean, they they often will say like this admin's so like it's it's yeah. neon white you know yeah. everything's just so hyperchoic and so i mean it had a septic belly before yeah. of course everything's angry oh, in sure. there so yeah. so it can make it challenging i just think i i don't it's nothing nothing in particular do i, I will yeah. i rest my hat on it's yeah. like the whole kind of whole picture of the dog and so really, a lot it's of just times what the criticalist thinks right but yeah for the most part <laughs> i'll say hey here's all my puzzle pieces can you guys decide what you think's going on so um no i've actually i i, I had a similar experience with ultrasound, all respect to the radiologist yeah. out there, but I just find that it's all or nothing. You know, I, I get like, oh yeah, everything looks terrible. I'm like, really? Because I feel like that doesn't fit with what I was expecting or, yeah. um, or you know, I've been burned on enough of those going the other direction where I think, especially when they've just come out of surgery within the past, you know, couple of days, everything just looks so messed up in the belly. Yeah. And mostly what I think I get now from, from radiologists is, uh, well, I don't really know because of all of these things were weird and it's really hard to interpret, but I like what you commented. If there's like a small pocket of fluid, like yeah. very focal in the area of, you know, what seems to be the, the surgical site and you can sample that, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've been uh, burned yeah. with that too, sure. but that, that to sure. me is if I'm picturing in my brain, what, what, like I'm what a leakage looks in. like and one, you know, maybe one suture wasn't good or maybe, um, you know, when, when it happens is during the debridement phase of healing. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the macrophages are there chewing the edges of, of cut, cut tissue that we had. I mean, we can't see it. It looks healthy right up to our cut, but there's going to be a couple millimeters there where they're going to chew away. Right. And so that's one of the reasons why, you know, our placement of our sutures is, is very precise and making sure that we are getting enough tissue that it's not within that debridement area. But 
what I would anticipate if an area maybe was difficult to suture or um, bowel was questionable is exactly that. I mean, we wrap omentum around it and it would spill into that. The omentum yeah. would hopefully contain it. And then we'd be able to go in without it completely nuking the whole abdomen with bacteria. But but that's what I would that's what I picture when I yeah. when I think of failure. I don't picture it just completely falling right. apart. It's a small yeah. area that's usually yeah. gonna be the problem. And so that's what I would imagine it would look like on ultrasound. And that's I guess the only really the only thing that gets me a little excited about it. But yeah. even then I think sometimes those dogs they heal. You know, or we tap yeah. the effusion and there's nothing it's just clean. It's just so how about that? So how about you have a dog that you're like, I really think this one is, like, I had a high index sus- suspicion that it was going to fail anyway sure. for a variety of reasons, the albumin was crap, and, you know, it has Cushing's or yeah. it was whatever reason, like, you're like, I feel like yeah. this one's going to fail. And it looks cram- crappy. The dog, you know, cat, whatever, looks really crummy, and you're like, I feel like this is going to go in, and you get cytology, and you're like, okay, well, there's some degenerate neutrophils, they're a little pycnotic, but, like, I'm not seeing any debris, like... What do you do about that one? Those are the ones that I think I struggle the most with, the ones that, yeah. like, clinically I really feel this is not going well. And yeah. I'm afraid that if we don't go back in, we're going to miss our window of opportunity. But the numbers, like you said, the numbers don't quite support it. But, sure. like, your gut is just screaming at you. <laughs> yeah, I, that, those are the ones where I I'm usually... Like those are the ones where we can Yeah, disagree. I was going to say, those are the ones where I go, uh, go to Bobby Connor and say, hey, so <laughs> I'm worried about this dog. And, like, the ultrasound didn't show much. I think... I mean, I, I feel like the clinician's intuition and the gut is huge. I mean, I know that everybody may have a different one, but and it, it's hard to put into words, but it's it's all the cases we've ever seen and managed. And, yeah. and that boils down into something inside okay. of us that says, oh, this case is like that other case that made me, yeah. you know, really burn me. I'm going to go a little off topic, but sure. not really. I'm going to get there, I promise. But have you heard of the surprise test? No. Okay. So, but I like it already. <laughs> right? It's already it already sounds cool. So, th- it's been used in a number of different circumstances where it's been best studied in people is in um, people with cancer um, oncologic studies. Um, it, a little bit in critical care. But the surprise test is a prognostic test where you ask the clinician, "Would you be surprised if this patient hmm. were dead in 6 months?" Like for oncology studies yeah. and things like that. Or you ask the criticalist, "Would you be surprised if this patient were had dies by tomorrow morning. And that is actually in some studies one of the best predictors oh, wow. of mortality than any of all the you yeah. can check lactate, you can check this, you know, whatever it happens to be, we're gonna check this, you know, V VEGF, blah blah blah. It doesn't yeah. matter. We we try all these different things that tell us who's gonna live and who's gonna die. And the surprise test is one of the best ones because exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's a it's you a know, name for I that. I mean it makes sense, right? Like the sicker patients are more likely to die. Yeah. That's that's my answer to every study that comes out in veterinary medicine sure. with a prognostic indicator. It's like, oh what do you know? The sicker patients die. <laughs> yeah. And so but it, it does kind of tap into exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. There is some, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, a sixth sense into it. It's, no. But you are. Collectively, you've got it's your collective experience education, of yeah. cases, and you're like, there's something about, even if I can't put my finger on yeah. it, um, there's something about this. And so um, that, that I've, I've always actually wanted to try to come up with a, a, a yeah. study in veterinary medicine. Yeah, I almost, I almost don't like <laughs> the, the name for it, though, because, I mean, would I, be, I feel like I would hedge my you bets, did. right? Like, you did. I, I like it, but I don't like it for, for what it is, because would I be surprised? I feel like I would hedge my bets and say, like, I mean, would I be surprised? No. But do I think it's going to happen? Like, also, you know, no. Okay, you know, so we'd have that to reword it for you. But yeah. for me, I was like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, if, so I guess if, you, if you're like, are you would genuinely, you need to think about, like, would, you be, would it be a surprise to you? I mean, well, yeah, I Actually, you know, you know, yeah, I, I do think like, there's that there's that gray window that you're in where it's like, oh, yeah. what way is this case going to go? And you could probably scale it out. But like when I come in the morning to ICU rounds, right? Yeah. And there's like, wait, 
what what happened to Fluffy? Yeah. And they're like, oh, Fluffy died last time. I'm like, oh. what? Like, oh, man. You know, that that one, obviously not everybody's going to, you know, fail the surprise test. Yeah, but like surprise test Versus failure. the ones where you're like, yeah. 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 I, yeah, I mean, I that, that's sad. Like, that yeah. sucks. But like, uh, I'm not shocked. Yeah. So, you know, in, in my world, I feel, I guess I, I do. I like that, of that though, because, you know, the case presentation that you gave me, circling back to that, would I be surprised if it had a perf or a septic belly? Like, right. probably not. Yeah. I mean, because right. it looks terrible. Right. Um, and I think that, that is the big. That is one of the biggest things that I. I mean, because we don't have anything concrete. It's just genuinely, how's the dog doing? Yeah. And one thing I always tell students and residents too, and this I've learned is like, get the dog outside too, because yeah. some dogs look terrible Vitamin in the D, hospital. Man. They're scared. They don't know what to do. And then you get them outside, and they're like wagging their tail, yeah. sniffing trees and things. So for that me, or it's how almost the like come visit. Like if the clients come in. Oh yeah. That's yeah. the other big thing for me. So I get them outside, even if they can't walk. Put them on a wagon. Yep. Get them outside and smell see how they act. And stuff. have if the clients if they haven't visited yet, have them come in. And yeah. how they respond to when they see mom and dad also, I think, is a big thing. I for totally me. agree with you because some of them are just they just shut down in hospital, especially those little fluffy dogs I'm picturing. <laughs> but they just shut down in hospital, and so it's almost like uh, I don't remember the exact phrase, but I know that you know old, older school vets was like it's not not dead until you've it's had steroids and died, or <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly. dead until it's cold and or <laughs> warm, warm and, and dead. dead. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it's Nothing like it's not. I'm not worried about how crappy the dog looks unless it's outside and yeah. still looks terrible or its yeah. owners are here and yeah. it still looks that's terrible. So yeah. yeah, I mean, that's one just like test I try, I kind of try and do. And then the other one that, I mean, that plays into how crummy they look is feeding and are they yeah. eating? Because I've definitely seen cases where I'm like, oh boy, this case now I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if it yeah. has a septic belly. And then maybe we place an NG tube and start feeding because there's not enough, uh, yeah. you know, suspicion or maybe the owners don't have money. And then, and then within 24 hours, like, they're, they're oh. like, totally fine yeah, yeah the, you know their ileus is gone and things so i mean I, as we've kind of taken to placing in g-tubes and pretty much every gi surgery i know it's one of my favorite things oh i love it yeah dr changes. mcconkey started that and yeah i remember at first being like ah it just seems unnecessary nope. but it's so cheap it's my favorite and like you can pull it like it's just yeah, it's, it's very minimally thing. invasive yeah well and it, it i think it just automatically encourages people to feed them sooner which is what i've been wanting like, yeah i love i oh the, definitely like, food is the best thing you can give yes for motility, for healing of the intestinal tract. Yeah. There are studies to support it. I'm not just making this up, but no, definitely, yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I love it. As it soon used as you can. to be the old way was yeah. like give it, give it a break, give it a yeah. break. And I always tell the students to try and help them remember that, that the enterocytes are the hipsters of the cellular world because they only eat locally. Like oh. these <laughs> tissues that are trying yeah. to heal do not get like you know that. this high carbon footprint through the bloodstream blood. Um, I and tell nutrients, them the same they way, eat but in directly, cool <laughs> directly. Yeah, they yeah. take their nutrients directly from the lumen. They have to have food there in order to heal well. Otherwise, yep. they're trying to heal <laughs> in a starvation <laughs> status. So I'm yeah, stealing that. Well, yeah, you can have it. I hope it explodes. Yeah, you know, as long I as people it. remember it, feed yeah. early. I mean, I'm a, I'm an early feeder, and I think yeah. the literature supports it. And so, um, I would say my 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 concern radar goes way up if they've been fed or they um have been you know they've been getting a trickle feed and they, they are still not looking good they don't look good outside they don't look yeah. good at the owners maybe their temperatures yeah. trending up um those are the ones I'm gonna call and yeah. say look I worry about you know your dog having a septic belly and I mean the problem is it's a double edged sword because it's like your dog looks terrible and now I want to put under anesthesia which could kill it. And also, you know, um, your dog looks money. terrible. And so the only way for us to kind of try it, anything, is going to be to go back in and yeah. see. Um, and it's also hard because, you know, like I said, in human medicine, right, they plan these. They, they, yeah. they, hedge, the, they hedge their bets. They, mm -hmm. they plan for success. For mm -hmm. us, it's like, 
we have one shot to do the <laughs> yeah. best we can. And then if it fails, it seems like, especially to the owners, I mean, I try my best to explain it, but it's like, y- you know, you failed. Yeah. You know, we failed as surgeons. Yeah. To, we did something wrong. And it's like, man, you know, in humans, they, the they anticipate that, yeah. those things going wrong and they say, we're going to do it next tomorrow. That's, that's hard for criticalists is like coming to a surgeon and saying, I think this animal needs to go back in because... I don't mean this as you failed. Like that's, sure. that's not, but it feels a little like I'm like, God, is that going to be how it's perceived? Yeah. And then some surgeons, let's be honest, that's how they perceive it. Oh like, man. But it's my sutures were great. My yeah. knots, were, I was like, I know that. Like, oh yeah, yeah. That's not what I was implying at all. See, and that's not, man, I wish that was, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. That's like, a, that's the shirt macho surgeon response. But man, me, I'm like, I'm just bummed, right? I'm like, oh God, what did I do wrong? I think that for the most part, you know, you're just, you want to do well, obviously, for the dog. And then as soon as things start to go wrong, you start thinking about what you could have done wrong. And a lot of times, I mean, it, as evidenced by... two months later, you find Yeah, it. as evidenced by, by human medicine, them planning to have these multiple right. surgeries, it, it's not that you do something wrong. You do the best you can, but yeah. there's all these factors. Healing, yeah. like you said, albumin, yeah. motility, blood flow, you what know. What do the criticalists do to it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> are there going to be clots, you know? Are, are yep. they throwing clots? I mean, we've had Cushing's patients yep. throw clots in the area that we've had to manipulate bowel and then that's not getting, it's even worse off, you know? So yeah, I think that's one of the things I struggle the most with when I'm like, I really feel like this needs to go back into surgery and I have to go and have that conversation with a surgeon who may or may not have been thinking this too. Um, you know, and sometimes it's just like, okay, gear myself up for this. (laughs) And, um, and obviously some people are better than others, but, um, you know, about accepting that and, and it, but it's hard to not be like, I'm accusing you of screwing up. And you're like, I'm not like, I'm not, that's never what we're doing. Um, like even if you did screw up, like, cause obviously in real life we we do that, we make mistakes, but, um, but it's like, yeah, but you're human. I'm not saying that you were negligent and you just did it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, maybe, maybe I not did slip or maybe this just this was bad luck, yeah. which is probably more often what it is. Um, like you said, like we we know that there's a percentage yeah. of these that you just need to go back in. But and I mean, maybe we should be more honest with everybody with those cases. I mean, with wound and recon cases, yeah. for example. I mean, we prep them like this right. might need this could be two thousand dollars <laughs> or this could be ten thousand dollars. We might have to cut it four times, you no, know. I mean, because right. we know how frustrating they are, and that's the one thing I think we do a that's good fun. job of preparing things for. Unfortunately, it also scares people. I think out yeah, of out of like true. best care practices, that's but. True. Um, I never really thought of it that way, but you're right. Yeah, I mean, GI, I don't prep people for that. I don't say, I mean, I usually walk them through from worst to best case scenario. I mean, best to worst case scenario, you know, and I I actually paint the negative explorer as being the best case scenario because we don't have to do it. You know, hey, we went in, we helped milk it out. Maybe our fluids help things go, you know, (laughs) us being able to manipulate during it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, and, and, and all the way to, you know, euthanize on the table because everything's necrotic. And so I think that. I think a lot of that is because it is so uncommon, though, for, yeah. for this to fail. Like, oh, let's yeah. be honest. Like, we, it's not that often that you go back yeah. in um, for, like, a GI surgery. You guys really you really do get it right the yeah. first time most I mean, times. And dogs and, heal. And the dogs, yeah, they're, they're I mean, kind that's of amazing. A, they're, like, my biggest, yeah. you know, like, they're, uh, they're <laughs> the biggest player here. They heal. I mean, they heal. They heal with wounds. They yep. heal. They heal despite what we do to them very often. Yeah. Which is a gift and a curse. I think it's a gift because they heal for us, but it's also a curse because I think sometimes people get in the swing of maybe not doing best practice because they can get away with it. You know, they can get away with it maybe 80% of the time, but the the other 20%, you know, they would have been okay. Yeah. Yeah. It could have made a difference for us. And so, so the other, the other one that, um, I think I've actually probably struggled more with, um, is the, the bleeding postoperatively. Yeah. That's a challenge. In the first, you know, 12 to 24 hours, um, you have a patient and you're trying to figure out like, 
okay, one, is this patient bleeding? Um, which sometimes is, it sounds like it can be really simple to figure out, and it isn't always. And two, okay, is it is it the kind of bleeding that we need to go back in? Because usually you have yeah. to make that decision within the first day. Um, and I feel like I've run into this more, and I've like butt heads with surgeons more on this one, yeah. where we've disagreed. I think um, the, I think the biggest challenge from your perspective has to be that you weren't in the surgery, mm-hmm. and so like for me, 100%. you know, if I'm like, well, you know, it's a big liver mass, and mm-hmm. we and it was oozing, like there, yeah. there's nothing I can yeah. go even if I wanted to. <laughs> go back in yeah. what am I going to do like it's just everything's friable everything's oozing yeah. like we really that need is to, literally yeah. the case I have in my mind so it was several years ago and it was a, an oncology surgery and yeah, like they're just such a busy service and it was like one surgery immediately into the next and like maybe the student came down you know to ICU and this dog is like I remember um you have the, an- the anesthesiologist the, the faculty member is down here and I'm like this dog is bleeding like right now, like we need a transfusion right now. Like what is going on? And, and I'm trying to get the scoop from the anesthesiologist, like what happened? And I'm like, I, I just like, I'm giving this dog blood products and so on. Like this, this dog needs to go back in. Like there is a problem. And so like a couple, and then like we're getting, you know, that game of telephone, like the surgeons telling, you know, whoever else is in surgery and relaying that to this person who's then telling me like, sorry, no, we're just gonna do this or let the blood pressure, you know, I'm like, this is a terrible plan. Yeah, yeah. Like that's, that, that low blood pressure thing is meant to get you into surgery. Like that's, that's not the right, you know? And so we're just having this horrible like interaction back and forth. And then a couple hours later when they get out of their next surgery, they come down and then we have the conversation about like what happened at surgery. And there were two major factors. There were like one, it's a liver thing. It was oozing from everywhere. Like, honestly, if we went back in, we'd probably just make it worse. Like there's probably nothing we can do. Two, the owners don't have the money to go back in. And I'm like, totally get that. Yeah. Two and a half hours ago, would have been, would have oh, been nice know. to Please know about me, this. Yeah. Like, so it's so helpful for me, like a, as a criticalist, if if you have, especially if you have, a, I mean, every case, but if you have a case like this where you're like, I anticipate this is going to happen, and you just say, Hey, FYI, we know this is going to happen. Yeah. You know, and we we have that discussion about the threshold. But um, those are the things that, um, um, I guess, frustrate me the most because you're right. There are sometimes. I wasn't there, so yeah. I don't know what I should be most concerned about. Yeah, and, and I mean, um, from that perspective, I think it's easier for us as surgeons. That one, because you had said that maybe it was, um, maybe it was, uh, you know, um, I lost my train of thought. We'll have to fix this in post. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, this is going in. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, uh, it, it, you know, I think that a lot of it does have so much. I mean, I don't think of this as being like a huge diagnostic challenge for me because I was there for the most part. Yeah. I mean, at the the ones I hate are where it's like, oh, the PCV is twelve, and like the dog's PCV is like forty six. I'm like, oh gosh, you know, like that's yeah. too high. That's but funny, not so high. Me. Those don't bother me at oh, all. Oh, really? You just let those rise? See, I'm like, why that is that one. so high? <laughs> like 12% just seems like a lot of blood for, for me, for, for what sure. I'm seeing. Like, okay, so from, from my perspective now, then maybe I have some oozing. I like lavage it with six liters of saline. Yeah. And then suddenly, like, you know, three hours from? later, 12% of whatever's left in the abdomen is blood. Like that's kind of scary to me. But <laughs> but I do, I mean, I usually will will sit on those. I think yeah. I think I think the ones that we cut are usually pretty straightforward. I mean, the PCV is very high. Um, maybe the patient um, had something that, you know, maybe we did a splenectomy um, and maybe, you know, um, just there's, it depends on the procedure, I think, and how everything looks from my perspective. Yeah. It really helps me. And, and you guys are robbed from that, you know, unfortunately, yeah. especially yeah. because we can't round postoperatively if we're going from case to case. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, PCV and then how the dog's doing, you know, yeah. heart rate and blood pressure are big ones for me. Um, yeah. Well, and then I, the other thing is just ruling out that it's 
a medical bleed, right? Yeah. Like making sure the coags are normal. And that's, oh, yeah. that's the big thing for me and is not relying on PTPVT, actually. That that's where the viscoelastic stuff in human medicine is oh, yeah. really better. Oh, tag, yeah. And so I've been um, you know, like, well, this is normal, this is normal, this is normal. So like, I can't fix this with yeah. plasma. Sure. <laughs> so, um, and it's bleeding. Like it's doing all the yeah. things with bleeding. And even though its PCV hasn't changed as much as you might expect yet, it will. Yeah, <laughs> once, get, like, once we redistribute fluids, yeah. But it's so funny because like, I agree with you. It seems like such a straightforward thing. Like, yeah, this one needs to go yeah. back in. But then some, I feel like those are the ones that I, I get more resistance from. I, yeah. I, I feel like you and I, that I, has not happened. No. And it hasn't happened in a while, actually. Yeah, I mean, um, I think rebleeds aren't very common anyway because no. we have like, man, the ligature and things that yeah. we have like awesome toys yeah, here. Yeah, I guess that's true. And so if I was hand ligating everything and I think if I hand ligated even a splenectomy, I would yeah. be much more worried than if I vessel sealed it. That's funny. But that the only kind of splenectomy I've ever done is hand ligating. Hand sewed, yeah, yeah. I mean, so the ligature Zip it out. Intimidate the crap oh, out of me. Oh, they're so nice. Yeah. I know everybody talks about it, but when you haven't used them a lot, yeah, you've like, got to use them. It's also really big and awkward. I'm like, how do you even get that where you want it? But anyway, yeah, no, it can be talk. really awkward. I mean, stapling. That's like with livers. I think that livers are the biggest thing where I'm like, oh, do we go back in or not because of the oozing? I mean, yeah. they're just sometimes you'll get in there and they crumble and fracture and they're oozing from everywhere. And the more you touch them, the more they bleed. And so you end up doing, yeah. you know, you put some Surgicel on it, some <laughs> other topical <laughs> products, and then you tuck the momentum up on there and you yeah. say a little prayer uh, to the liver good, goodness up there and um, and, and hope. Well. And then we send it to you guys. <laughs> and they're like, bye. You know, yeah, hey, can't we'll do anything. We'll be for the next four hours. All you, all you guys, yeah. <laughs> no, those are fun, actually. I really like managing post-op cases. They're some of my favorite to manage. But Yeah, we're very um, grateful for that, for sure, yeah. <laughs> All right, this is getting a little too friendly. I, I we're, we're we were supposed to have a lot more disagreement. Yeah, I know. I thought we would argue more, we you know, be, but I, but I guess we're on we're on the same page yeah. here. I mean, I even had I a couple more papers are. here, boards, while you know, just for the <laughs> just for the residents about yeah, the you, you know, know lactate per the, you know differentials between the two. Like, so they did do a study um, in a JAMA twenty sixteen where they looked at patients that actually did have septic peritonitis, yeah. and then they placed a drain, and then they looked. So rather than healthy dogs septic dogs, and they failed to identify any objective predictive measures as well. Um, it looks like white blood cell and neutrophil ratios might might start to trend towards being different, but they would need to look more into yeah. that. And then something interesting, you know, to me is that I, I, you know, I just, sometimes I don't even think about this, but, you know, the methods of the paper are what I skim over, right, pretty quick. <laughs> and so the methods in the paper looking at glucose differentials, I mean, they use a full-on, like, chemistry, chemistry analyzer. analyzer. And so there is another study where they looked at comparing um, how, how the, just the little bedside thing that we yeah. use, which I feel like, I'm not sure what you guys use, but I, I feel Usually like I've the blood gas. seen it. So okay. It's, yeah. be it's between, it's about, it's like a glucometer really, uh, as yeah. far as reliability. Yeah. So the cutoff here, I mean, it wasn't very reliable. It had to be pretty much greater than 40 for yeah. a difference to be, yeah. to be that. And so, so I think it makes, I mean, makes a huge difference out there in practice. Like, you know, you, you, you sometimes just have to roll with what you have. So maybe you have a glucometer that's only the bedside one, you know, or, yeah. or you don't have access to things. And I think, uh, sometimes you really do have to, like, I, like we were saying, look at the whole case yeah. I mean, you don't just want to rest your hat you on anything. Your gut. Yeah. I, I think it's at the end true. of the day, you really do have to listen to yourself yeah. and to your patient. And so yeah, there you go on boards. You just put surprise <laughs> tests. <laughs> surprise test is the number one, you know, I mean, I think that, I think that uh, it is because it kind of does incorporate everything. It's like yeah. your brain understanding everything that's going on in the case and then deciding like, yep. How likely is it that this, you know, this yeah. is going well or yeah. bad? So. We're, we're actually pretty good at what we do, as it yeah. turns out. Yeah, it's kind of so. cool, actually. It's pretty inspiring. Right? Yeah. That's
think that's probably a good, a good yeah. note to end on. Yeah, nice I think so note. too. We're, All right. We're good at what we we'll do. We'll have to argue another it. time about yeah. something. I don't know what. Maybe, yeah, I don't know, but we'll argue. Probably about something non veterinary related, like how to manage orchids. I still need to Oh, yeah, yeah. Stuff. I could argue about that too, man. <laughs> you know, Amandine puts ice cubes in her orchids. That wigs me out. What? Like a tropical plant. But it does slow water it, but I don't know. Yeah. I, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Okay. Well, thank it you so much. It was wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. It was great. It was a pleasure. We'll have you back. Yeah. Thanks. Have